Gateway family, how we doing, guys? What's up, Gateway family? How we doing? Good, good. Man, I am excited about this morning. Uh, it's always fun. Gateway students, man, shout out to you guys. Uh, I want to brag on them a little bit. Um, we showed you all the video of the back to school drive. Uh, so what we were doing is each week we had Gateway students. We wanted them to provide something different. And we set a goal for one of the weeks was, hey, we want to raise 400 boxes of crayons, which is a lot, right? And I was like, okay, we may have, not that I don't believe in you guys and the Gateway students are around the room. Um, that's a lot of boxes of crayons, right? So like, okay, 400 is a goal. Whatever we don't meet, we're just gonna go as a staff and purchase ourselves. It's gonna be great. The next Wednesday when they had their um, crayons ready, we counted 833 boxes of crayons. So you guys are awesome. Gateway students, appreciate you guys. Uh, we also, there's other goals that they broke, but man, I love our students. They are incredible. Um, I say this every time I get the opportunity to speak. I believe wholeheartedly that Gateway Church is the greatest church. I don't want to say in the world, but in the whole universe. I don't know if there's churches on Mars, but if there is, Gateway Church is the greatest church in the universe. Uh, in my opinion, what makes this church so great is our leadership, Pastor Jason and Pastor Sylvia. Hey, we love you guys. Uh, thank you so much for allowing me to speak. Um, we love our pastor. If you love your pastor, let's give it up for them. We love our leadership. Yeah. We love our pastors. They are incredible. Yeah. We have incredible leaders, and I'm honored I get to serve under them. Um, and I'm excited about today. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be fun. You ready to jump to the word? Let's do it. Let's do it. Somebody say unfaithful. Man, 9 a.m. did well. Y'all got to gotta follow suit. Gateway students know what they're doing. If I say, say this, they don't care what it is. They will repeat it back. They'll yell at me. I got a lot going on. <laughs> they will scream back. So one more time. Somebody say unfaithful. Unfaithful. Man, I love it. You guys are spreading. It's, it's incredible. It's contagious. Gross. Unfaithful. <laughs> <laughs> unfaithful. We're going to be reading from the book of Hosea. We're going to be jumping around a couple different chapters. We're starting with Hosea chapter 1. Unfaithful. Hosea chapter 1 verses 2 through 3 says this. When the Lord began to speak by Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, go take yourself a wife of harlotry and children of harlotry. For the land has committed great harlotry by departing from the Lord. So he went and took Gomer. Somebody say Gomer. The daughter of Diblaim. And she conceived and bore him a son. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, speak through me in the next few minutes. God, I need you. God, when you speak, lives are changed. When you speak, mountains are moved. When you speak, dead things come to life. So God, I pray in these next few minutes, it is you speaking, not me. Use me more, God, speak through me as a mouthpiece so that life change can happen. God, help me to hide behind the cross so that only you are seen. And God, every victory this morning, and God, we believe you will be victorious 
every victory is yours. And we lift up your name, the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Man, unfaithful. One more time, someone say unfaithful. Unfaithful. Man, okay, I'm going to share a story about my brokenness. I got to trust y'all with this, so please don't spread it. Live stream. Y'all don't spread it either, I guess, whatever. When I was 17 years old, I got cheated on. I'm going to say, boo. <laughs> thank you, thank you. But you get. <laughs> if you're watching online, Jesus forgives, but I don't. <laughs> um, just playing, just playing. I'm just playing. Man, so when I was 17, I was dating a girl, and I, in my mind, I was like, okay, this is great. This is incredible. We're going to get married. Obviously, we didn't. Um, I was 17, and my girlfriend at the time, she sat me down. She said, Rob, we need to talk. And so if you're ever in a relationship or you've ever been in a relationship, those words, we need to talk, means your heart is about to get shattered. She said, Rob, she's crying. I don't know why she was crying. She's like, Rob, we need to talk. I said, what's up? I was seven. I was trying to be cool. I was like, man, I know I'm about to get hurt. <laughs> I need to tell you something. I'm like, what's up? <laughs> she said, I made a mistake. I said, again, what's up? <laughs> she said, I, I went and I kissed another boy at that party I went to the other night. I said, what's up? <laughs> you know? <laughs> I was like, okay, you're the worst. And on that moment, I was like, well, (laughs) we're done. (laughs) You know, it was a time being unfaithful. It broke my 17-year-old heart. And that's what I get for not dating Hannah when I was 17. Right, baby? Got you, girl. Got you, girl. She would never do that. So that happened, and I was like, oh, there was like no other pain like that. It was like getting kicked in the teeth. You know what I'm saying? Like if I get kicked in the teeth and the chest at the same time, that's how it felt. It was horrible. And so I'm a little biased. So who's ever been like, like, okay, if you're not comfortable sharing, just nod at me. Like if you've ever been cheated on, not cool. (laughs) Like that's probably the worst thing a human could do Um, is... It wasn't even that, she like, she did this. She went on like another guy and my heart was like, I was destroyed in that moment. It was like, oh, it's like I'm calling Hannah. (laughs) Hosea was a prophet. He was a man of God. Most likely because he followed all of the laws. He, He was the guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, these were the people that were like the mediator between them and God, the priests, the prophets, they would speak on God's behalf, right? God would say this, the prophet would repeat it, that is how it went. And if they wanted to speak to God, they would have to go to the priest, say, you are the mediator, this, hey, tell God this, this isn't this, this is what I did, get forgiveness for me, thank you so much. Then he would go and go to God and say, hey, God, Rob did this, this, and this, please forgive him. We're good. You know what I'm saying? Like, that is how it would go. Um, So this guy, because he was the prophet, he was the mouthpiece of God. God would tell him things. He would repeat it and tell the entire nation, right? That was his role. He most likely followed the law, right? 
He was a holy man. He most likely followed the Ten Commandments. He was a good man. He most likely, when he got married, was a virgin. He most likely had never had any relations with a woman before. He was a holy man. And God told him to marry a harlot. Harlotry isn't exactly a word we use in 2021. Um, this is a definition of a harlot. A harlot is defined as, write this down, a prostitute. And that's what a harlot is, a prostitute or a promiscuous woman. That is the definition of a harlot, prostitute or promiscuous woman, right? And so God told this prophet, this preacher, this leader, go marry a prostitute. I, um, I, I blame Sunday school, I think. Um, growing up, my dad was a pastor, and so I would, I, doors were open. I was always there, and the doors opened early for Sunday school, so I was thrown in. Um, and I kind of, this is a Sunday school problem, I think. What I would do, um, because it's how my Sunday school teacher, she said this will help Robbie. I used to be Robbie. Uh, this will help Robbie um, follow through and remember the Bible stories. What we're going to do, because he just gets distracted a lot, we're going to replace the name of the biblical people and put Robbie's name. That's, right, anybody ever done that before? You read the Bible, you insert your name. So what I would do, it was never Noah's Ark. It was always Robbie's Ark. You know what I'm saying? That's, that was my, it was always Robbie and Goliath, not <laughs> David and Goliath. Um, I was short for a little while, but thank you, Jesus. <laughs> you know, it was always like Robbie versus Goliath. I would always put myself in the story. And so as I'm reading this story, this biblical narrative, I'm reading about it. I'm like, okay, Sunday school brain on, insert myself into the story. Robbie, or Rob now, <laughs> there's Robbie in nursery. Robbie, go marry a prostitute. You are a pastor, you're a preacher, you're somebody who hears God, talks to God, you're a representation of God to people, you go marry a prostitute. Can you imagine, um, let's go mind of Rob for a second. Can you imagine the debate between Hosea and God in that moment? It doesn't say anything about that, but if I was Hosea, it'd be a debate, Right? Like, God, uh, I think I'm kind of getting like wires crossed, like misunderstood. Do you mind repeating that one more time? Because I don't think I heard you right. Are you sure about that? You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't exactly agree with what you're saying. Try again. You're a prophet. Go marry a prostitute. So one of the great things about, uh, about Hannah is I actually met Hannah when I was 15 years old. Um, and so one of the f greatest things, greatest question that is ever asked on like double dates, we're going to hang out with people, they always ask, like, hey, how did you guys meet? If you've ever been on a double date or talked with people before, with, it's always like, hey, so how did you and your spouse or your significant other, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your whoever, how did you guys meet? Right? Anybody ever been asked that question when you're hanging out with your spouse? Like, hey, 
So how'd you guys meet? This is just a Rob brain moment. Imagine <laughs> Jose and Gomer, they're on a double date. I don't know if they did double dates back then. At Chili's or whatever. I'm like, hey, so how did you guys meet? Like, well, <laughs> funny, funny story. It was, uh, it was actually Tinder. <laughs> it's just an awkward conversation from the start, you know? Like, how did you guys meet? Like, well, um, I was a preacher, <laughs> prophet, and God said, hey, go pick out a prostitute, and I found one. <laughs> and so that's... Doesn't work out that well for anybody. It's awkward. If I'm in Hosea's shoes in this situation, I'll tell God, I was like, okay, God, no. Honestly, that's not, I'm not trying to be like, I would tell God, I would argue with God. I'm like, God, I don't exactly um, agree. That's not fair. See, God, I am, I am a holy man. God, you see, when people look at me, they see you because there hasn't been the Messiah to come yet that represents you and to be the mediator. So right now, I am the guy. Don't, like, you don't want that. Who is speaking right now? Because I know God would never tell. I'm a holy man. I follow the commandments. I follow all the rules. I do the right thing. There's no way that he would reward me like this. A wife who's a prostitute. Can you imagine what everyone will say? God, there's no way I'm gonna do that. We agree to disagree, move on, I'm good. A man of God, Hosea, the prophet, the voice of God, the mouthpiece of God, the representation of God. There is no way I'm gonna marry a prostitute. If I'm Hosea in this situation, in this story, in this dialogue, I'm angry. This morning, we're gonna be talking about not just Hosea, but we're gonna be talking about his wife, Gomer. I think in order to really know the story, know Hosea, you need to know who Gomer is, his wife. You need to know about her. You need to know the details of her. You need to know her story. To first know her story, you need to know who she was. Who was going? My first point this morning, if you're taking notes, is this, is who was she? Somebody say who. Well, the answer is simple. She was a prostitute. When the Lord began to speak by Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, go take yourself a wife of harlotry. Who was she? She was Gomer. Who was she? She was the town prostitute. As a woman in this society, sexual purity meant everything. See, what would happen is if a woman got married and it came out that she wasn't actually a virgin, what they would do, the people in the city would take her, they'd put her in the middle of a circle, they'd go right here, pick up these big rocks called stones, and they would throw it and hit her with them until she died. That's called stoning. Now you know. Um, that's what they would do with women who were caught to not be sexually pure when they got married. If a woman was caught cheating on her husband, we actually see in the Bible with Jesus and 
he found out there was a woman caught in adultery, and she was thrown in the middle of this town. She was still naked when they found her, took her where she was, throw her in the dirt, took rocks, go to kill her, and Jesus stopped him. That was the norm. During this time, if you were found out to not be sexually pure, killed. Um, to the point that like, even like prostitutes, they would wear face coverings so that you couldn't see their face. So if during the act, if they were caught, you found out who they were, okay, now we know who you are. Middle street, killed. That was the process. You're a prostitute. You are pretty much guaranteeing yourself to be killed. If you were found out to not be sexually pure, it was a miracle for you to not be killed. So I imagine for a minute how low could she have been? Think for a second. How broken was she? That she decided, you know what? This is pretty much a guaranteed death sentence for me. However, the only thing I can turn to is prostitution. Can you imagine how low she had to be? how broken she had to be, how hurt she had to be, that that is the conclusion. Like, well, prostitution. In a society that no matter what, if she got caught, she's most likely going to be killed. I can imagine the internal dilemma she faced. On one side, it's just like, you know what? If I sleep around, if I have sex, if I sell my body... I'm probably going to get to eat tonight. On the other side, if I sleep around, if I have sex, if I sell my body, I'm going to have to suffer the abuse that the person who purchased me decided to do. Now, on this side, like, man, I'm, I get to have a pillow and sleep under a roof for at least a couple hours. But on this side is that if I ever get caught doing this, I'm going to get killed. Imagine the dilemma. That's what she turned to. I can't imagine the internal brokenness she had. She was broken. She was hurting to the point that she decided, I have to sell my body to find worth. That's the only thing I'm good for. It's the only thing I can do to survive. I have to sell myself. So who was Gomer? She was a woman who was so broken and so afraid that she had to become a prostitute. So who was she? She was broken. My second point this morning is this, is where was she? Somebody say where. where? This is a part in the story that is like, like pretty woman, you know, first chapter. She was a prostitute. She gets saved, rescued, closed the book, done, Right? That's what you would expect. Where was she? After Hosea married her and rescued her, despite who she was, you would expect that, okay, now, now she's good. Now she no longer has to be a prostitute. Prostitution was who she was before Hosea, but now that Hosea has rescued her, she's okay. Before, she needed to be a prostitute to survive it's how she got her food, her shelter, her money. It's her protection. But now she has Hosea. This is not docking women at all. But during this time, 
Women, what their job was after they got married, they were stay-at-home moms. All they did, which to all the stay-at-home moms out there, yeah, yeah. Um, but what that was their job. They stayed home. They took care of the babies. They took care of the house. They didn't have to do work outside of it. The husband's job was to provide financially, and the, the woman's job, the wife's job was to take care of the home and take care of the babies, right? Women during this time didn't have a job typically. They typically stayed home, took care of babies, had babies, took care of the house, did, did that, right? Other than that, which is a lot, don't sell me, um, <laughs> big deal. Other than that, they didn't really do much. They didn't have to go out. They didn't have to go work. Their job was to stay home. Gomer did not need to continue prostitution. So you would assume, because now culturally, Obviously, it was wrong to be a prostitute before, but now her husband has a job. She's married. She's protected. She has safety. She has security. There's no point in it now. She's good, right? So you would assume that it was like a one-chapter book, done. They lived happily ever after until you read Hosea chapter 2. Hosea chapter 2, verse 7 says this. She will chase her lovers meaning more than just Hosea, but not overtake them. Yes, she will seek them, but not find them. Then she will say, I will go and return to my first husband, meaning she left her husband, for then it was better for me than for now. What we see is that in this chapter is that Gomer actually went back to the life of harlotry. To the point, these are the, just to give you a little bit of context, these are the, their three children's name. Lo Ruma means she has not conceived, she has not received mercy, not pitied. Jezreel, the Lord sows, may God give seed. That's a good, like, okay, that's a good name, the Lord sows. The third, Loami, meaning not my people. The name of this, it is a dual meaning. Number one, meaning that these people, uh, God's people are no longer my people because they've turned away from me so many times. Another reason, uh, most theologians believe that this son was not actually Hosea's son. It was, a, it was a son of harlotry that she had because she was a prostitute. She cheated on him, got pregnant outside of their marriage, and he still raised him as a son. Not my son. Hosea rescued Gomer. He saved her. But what's crazy to me is even after saving her, even after protecting her, even after providing for her, even then she still decided to go back to that lifestyle. She, she was in the lifestyle of sin and shame and brokenness and disease and prostitution. But now she has safety, she has security, she has a home that she's not going to be abused in. She is safe. When reading this, I'm confused, if I'm honest with you guys. When I first read it, I was confused and I was a little bit angry. Um, if, if I'm just being blunt with you guys, I'm mad. Um, I've been here for a little while now at Gateway Church, and one thing that uh, I'm, I've kind of been known for is being passionate about certain things. So I'm reading this, and I feel like my like, passions start to rise up. I'm, like, I'm angry, right? I'm like, why would she do that? Like, what's wrong with you in your brain? What needs to be broken for you to choose to go back to that, right? She would be abused and beaten 
and she would have sex with who knows who, and she is so broken, but now she has safety, she has security, she's whole, she's no longer in that scenario, she's no longer being abused. She is finally, for the first time in at least a long time, she's safe. She's whole. There's no more shame. There's respect in being the wife of a prophet. Why would she leave the safety and the security of Hosea and go back to sin and shame and brokenness and disease and heartache and abuse? Why? And so I'm at that point when I'm reading, I don't know if you guys are, do this. Um, I'm at that point when I'm reading my Bible and like internally screaming <laughs> at this woman, like, why would you do that? Why are you unfaithful to the man who provides for you, keeps you safe, loves you, raise like his two children and the third child who probably isn't even his to the point that he named him not my kid and not, like he's raising your children and you're, you left him? Why? What's wrong with you? What's not clicking right that you're gonna have to go and do that? Why? And so I'm like internally like screaming at my Bible. I'm like, what is wrong with you? Sorry. Then it dawned on me, and like a ton of bricks, it hit me. We do the same thing. So who was Gomer? She was broken. She was hurting. She was a woman who was broken. Where was Gomer? She was trapped in her old ways. She was a woman who could not get past who she used to be. And thirdly, we need to find out what was she worth? Hosea 3, verses 1 through 2 says this. Then the Lord said to me, Hosea, go again, love a woman who is loved by a lover as committing adultery, just like the love of the Lord for the children of Israel who look to other gods and love the raisin cakes of the pagans. This is the part I'm reading, and this is where it hits me. So I, Hosea, bought her for myself for 15 shekels of silver and one and a half homers of barley. Gomer saw herself as trash. She saw herself as worthless outside of selling her body. In her mind, she was someone who had to find, go to prostitution to find value Verse two just sticks out. So I bought her for myself. Hosea bought his prostitute wife. In this cultural setting, women were property. What they would do if a man wanted to marry a woman, he would go and he would trade items for her. He would trade animals, cattle, things for the woman traitor. She becomes his property. Is that right? No, but that was a cultural setting. That's what happened. So culturally, she belonged to him. Already rightfully was his, that's my property, that's my wife. What's crazy to me is he bought something that was already his. He bought something back that already rightfully was his. 
his name was on it. Or reading this story, I'm thinking to myself, man, what would I do if I was in Hosea's shoes? I already told you guys, it'd be a struggle for me to marry a prostitute. Even if God said, hey, Rob, marry a prostitute, it'd still be a debate. It'd be a struggle. But if I finally decide, you know, yes, I'm going to marry the prostitute, and then after rescuing her, after cleaning her up, after bringing her out of a lifestyle of sin and shame and brokenness and disease and heartache and abuse, and then she chose to leave me, I'm done. I'm gone. See you later. I'm out. And I'm thinking, I'm reading this story. First, I would never, ever, ever marry a I'm, I'm a pastor. I can't do that. I read the story and my self-righteous coat starts to come back on. I start to protect myself and I forget about who I was before. I get so caught up in my self-righteousness. I'm like, man, there's no way I, come on, it's not Rob, I'm Pastor Rob. What would the students think? What would my church, like people look to me and to a lot of people, and my self-righteousness gets tighter, a lot of people, they see me as representation of Jesus, and so I, come on, never. You don't even know, like, come on, you gotta know me better than that. I'm do the same thing that Sunday school Robbie would do, and I insert myself into the story. It's Robbie and Goliath, Robbie and the Ark, Robbie and Gomer. I insert myself, I'm just, man, self-righteous, like, yeah, God would never ask me to do that. He wouldn't punish me like that. Come on. Like a ton of bricks. It hits me. God God just drops it. He says, Rob, in this story that you've so self-righteously inserted yourself in as the hero, you're not Hosea. He said, in this story, I am Hosea. Hosea, and in this story, you are the prostitute. And, and as I'm weeping, when God first dropped this on me, I'm like, God, why? If you're like me, you may have asked God the same question before. Why would you rescue me? Before you, and I was addicted, I was broken, I, I'm Gomer. Out of everybody you could choose, say, don't you get it? Like, she and he, Hosea being a leader, Hosea being a holy man, he could have had his pick of any woman he wanted. It would have been a respectful thing, an honor for to be chosen, to be married to a prophet, be chosen to be married to a priest, the man who represents God, the voice of God. Man, to be married to him, that's an honor. That's a big deal. So he could have his pick. And what he did 
can see all of her shame. The one who's on that audacious stage. Next, all the other women with chains and brokenness. And I can pick. I choose the one who lives in shame and brokenness and abuse and, ab and does not have a good reputation, the one who's addicted, the one who probably has a disease, the one who is stuck. That's the one that I want. And I'm like, why? Why is that the one that he chooses? when he could have had the good person, the righteous person, the one who had the good right. Why does he choose Gomer? Because I am Gomer. And you are Gomer. in the story, Hosea represents Jesus before he came. Jesus came to an earth that he owned, that belonged to him. And he rescued me even when I was dirty and I was sinful and I was diseased and I was shameful and I was living in a lifestyle against what he called me to do. That's when he came for me and he bought me and he bought you in your brokenness yeah he bought something back that already belonged to him psalm 24 1 says this and this is how this is how we make the connection between jesus and hosea the earth is the lord's and everything in it the world and all its people belong to him. Hosea bought back his prostitute wife who belonged to him, who had his name. And Jesus did the same thing for me and for you. The earth was already his. The people in were already his. And he came back and he purchased you and he purchased me despite our flaws, despite our moral prostitution, Despite our brokenness, he bought you. In the midst of your shame. Even though Hosea knew that Gomer would probably run away and go back to harlotry, he still bought her again. And even though Jesus knew that even after dying on the cross and rescuing you, you would turn away from him and you'd be unfaithful to him, he still said, you know what? That one. Hosea bought back something and someone that was already rightfully his, and Jesus did the same thing for you. You guys can stand, I'm closing. Romans chapter five, verse eight says this. But God, 
I don't know if anyone else has a but God testimony. I was broken, but God, I was sinful, but God, I was sick, but God, I was in shame, but God, I was the prostitute, but God, I was Gomer, but God demonstrates his own love towards us. In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Man, put your name in there. But God demonstrates his own love towards us that in while Rob was still a sinner, insert your name, but God demonstrates his own love towards us and that while Rob was still a sinner, he didn't wait for you to get things right. When I was broken, knowing that there's a chance I don't even turn back to him and I'm gonna run away and leave him and be unfaithful to him. Christ died for you. And I wanna speak to the theological errors in the room. If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Christ, let me speak identity over you. The issue what a lot of us do is after we get saved we still go by Gomer give me an example and I think people mean well when they say this man I'm I'm just a sinner no you're not Jesus didn't die for you to still be Gomer he died for you to be his bride I'm, I'm just a sinner no you're not see what that is what that is, when you still call yourself Gomer, or so introduce yourself, oh, I'm just a sinner. It's self-fulfilling prophecies. Oh, man, don't speak that. You, know, you are not a sinner. You're a saint that was saved by grace. You're a saint that may screw up sometimes, but you're not a sinner saved by grace. You're a saint whose identity was changed. You were adopted into the family. That's who you are. Yeah. I was Gomer, but now I'm a child of God. John 1:12. I was Gomer, but now I'm a friend of Jesus. John 15:15. 15, 15. I was Gomer, but now I am redeemed. Romans 3:14. I was Gomer, but now I'm free from sin, Romans 6, 6. I was Gomer the prostitute, but now I'm an heir of God with Christ, Romans 8, 17, which means you're royalty because you've been adopted into the family. I was Gomer the prostitute, the broken one, the diseased one, the abused one, but now, despite that, I am accepted by Christ, Romans 15, 7. I chose sin, I chose rebellion, I chose to turn away and choose brokenness, abuse, sin, shame, disease. But now I'm a saint. 1 Corinthians 1.12, Ephesians 1.1, Philippians 1.1, Colossians 1.2. I was Gomer, the house of brokenness, the house of disease. I was the prostitute the one you don't trust. I was Gomer, but now in the temple of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 6, 19. It doesn't matter who you were. 
You may have been Gomer. You may have been the prostitute. You may have been the one who was addicted. You may have been the one who was broken. And you know what? You probably were. But who are you now? Now you are the bride. Despite who you were, despite what you've done, you don't get it I ran away okay his mercy is new every morning his grace is new now hear me it's not an excuse to keep sinning but if you say you're a saint and you identify as a saint that prophecy you speak over yourself will happen so stop saying you're a sinner stop going by Gomer go by your new name you are Christ's. You're the righteousness of God. You are his bride. Everybody bow their heads, close their eyes. Nobody's looking around. <clears throat> if you're in this room, say, Rob, man, I am making the mistake, continually sinning. I believe in Jesus. I'm, I've been a Christian, but I'm like Gomer. And I keep going back to who I was before. If that's you, let me see you. Nobody's looking around. Yeah, I see the hands going up everywhere. Anybody else? Cool. You can put your hands up. You're in this room saying, Rob, I'm kind of like you. If I'm not careful, I forget that I once was going. And I allow my self-righteousness to rise up. Gomer's walk in the room, I turn away. You gotta be bold to claim this one. This is you say, Rob. I forgot what it was like to be Gomer. If that's you, let me see. following Jesus, but I went back to who I was before. Or for the first time, I want to get things right with Jesus today. I'm going to choose to follow him. Maybe for the first time, or the first time in a long time, I'm getting things right with Jesus today. If that's you, be bold with it. Throw your hands up. This is huge. This is the most important thing you could ever do. Keep them up high. Keep them up high. It's one, two, any more. Let me see you. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, Nine. Anybody else? I want to make sure I get everybody. Yeah. Yo, we just had at least nine people get things right with Jesus. Hey, to the nine. To the nine. If this is your first time getting things right with Jesus, welcome back. We've missed you in the family. It hasn't been the same without you. If it's the first time. pray over 
for everybody. And if you raise your hand for any reasons or you just say someone to talk with, our prayer team is going to be here ready for you to talk with. But to the nine, welcome. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for being who you are. Thank you for rescuing me despite my flaws, despite being the goer who ran. Thank you for choosing me even when I ran from you. Thank you for changing my identity. Jesus, I love you. I lift you up. Thank you for the life change that happened. Every victory this morning was yours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The prayer team's coming. If you'd like someone to talk to the prayer, that's what we're here for. Love you, family. You are